What are the most amazing running and hiking routes in the world? Who did them and how fast? Welcome to the exciting new world of fastest known time, commonly known as FKTs. This podcast is produced by fastestknowntime.com, a website where you find out what's new and cool, plus track FKT efforts taking place right now. On this podcast, we'll meet the remarkable athletes who have established some of the best FKTs, ask them how they did it, and find out what it means to them. And we won't waste any of your time. The Fastest Known Podcast delivers great info to you in just 30 minutes so you can get back to your run, which of course is more important. Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast. This time with Carl Sabe and his friend Joe Birink, who recently set a new fastest known time on the famed Appalachian Trail. Welcome, Carl and Joe. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. I might note that uh, Carol and Joe are in Gant, Belgium right now. So if the audio quality isn't quite sharp, please give us, please excuse us. They've returned to their hometowns. So real briefly here, the uh, FKT and the AT is, boy, you just blew it out of the water. Uh, Scott Jurek had 46 days and eight hours in 2015. And this year you improved that by five days you improved Carl Meltzer by four and a half days, and then you improved uh, string bean Joe McConaughey from last year also by four days. So you just knocked it out of the park. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, one way to call it. Um, yeah, thanks. And I also note, Carol, that you wanted to have Joe, who is, I think, your main crew person, as part of this, and that's, I think that's meaningful. A lot of people don't quite understand the importance of crew on these multi-day efforts, that in a way it's a team event. And so not wanting to do this podcast until Joe was available, I thought was uh, was an honorable. Do you wanna mention that real briefly? Um, yeah, of course, from my perspective, I mean, the only way that both uh, the PCT and the AT record were even remotely possible were with Joe's um, support. Um, and yeah, it's such a interaction from start to finish between both of us um, that it's our, our record and it's it's definitely not uh, not my record. Um, so that's why I wanted to yeah, bring the story together and, and see both sides of the of the record attempt, uh, crew wise and, and the running itself. Well, Joe, we've uh, talked with uh, Jenny and Scott Jurek. Jenny, of course, crewed Scott. And when they wrote the book North, they Jenny alternated chapters with Scott because the crew's perspective was so strong. So I, how was it for you? Just real brief. We're going to get into how this was done and how you managed to take four days off. But Joe, what was this like for you to be out there for 41 days driving all over East Coast of the United States? Well, I kind of liked it. I liked the, the East Coast of the United States. I like the um, I like the people in the United States a lot as well. Um, and then foremost, it helped that we had some experience with the with the PCT. So some some aspects of the record were um, well still memorized of the of the previous attempt. And um, well, and it helps if you can help an athlete who's 
who's optimistic and positive most of the time or not always <laughs> <laughs> um so that really helps so it makes it a, an, a, a grateful experience and a really interesting experience to be able to follow someone like that so if it was a total suffer fest it wouldn't have been so good well, that that's what I would call the PCT. That was a total uh, suffer fest. <laughs> I see. I see. We'll get into that in a minute. So, uh, Carol's background comes up from our perspective. That is, it's the United States fairly quickly. You did the Marathon de Saab in 2016, which you know, well done. But then you suddenly burst on 2016 with the PCT FKT of 52 days and eight hours. At that time, people were thinking, well, is this guy legit? People kind of started to doubt it because, again, your moniker is the Belgian dentist. <laughs> so, I mean, how, do you, how would you explain this? Do you, do, you have, do you consider yourself a great ultra runner or a great multi-day trail person? What perspective would you give on yourself? Yeah, so um, I definitely um, grew over the years that um, these FKTs, it's only two, but they have really become my specialization. So if I would compete at a UTMB now, um, I don't think I would be doing yeah top 20 or, or maybe not even near. Um, but these multi-stage, very long efforts um, are something I appear to be good at because there's a very big uh, mental aspect to it. Um, and then, yeah, there's there's the whole unique experience of, of the interaction with the crew and, and um, the length of the experience. Um, so my background is from, from hiking and from through hiking. And if you compare that to running an FKT, it's, it's very comparable. And it's actually way more comparable than if you compare uh, running an FKT on the AT or the PCT compared to running a UTMB, which is just a one-day effort, and and yeah, it's compared uh, as a sprint. Uh, you can call it compared to a 3,500-kilometer run. Um, and so yeah, after the PCT, it was a logical step to to see uh, the other trails that are out there, and the AT was a was a of course a, a good next uh, step. Well, one notes that you broke the FKT held by Joe Stringbean, and then you did it again in the AT. Is this coincidental, or <laughs> are you uh, going after him? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, luckily, he takes it pretty well. Um, we are in touch often, and um, and he's yeah, he's a true athlete and and very supportive of what I'm doing. Um, when I knew I was going to go for the AT. Uh, he was one of the first guys yeah, I informed about. Um, and I said, hey, sorry, Joe, but uh, it might happen again. And he was, from the start, very supportive, um, giving advice and, and saying how I could do it. Um, he actually wanted to come out as well for a weekend to, to help crewing with Joe. Um, but due to his work um, obligations uh, that didn't work out but actually we're we're actually pretty good friends and and tomorrow we're um going to have a phone call as well and and discuss our uh, shared at experiences and and we are even considering uh, doing a race together in the future so it's all good between us and it's uh, definitely a coincidence but it shows the the nice side of this fkt kind of ex uh, adventures that yeah record holders and previous record holders are 
really supportive towards each other. That's nice. That's a great story. That indeed shows that very, very well. Indeed, when uh, Carl and Scott were going after it, they supported each other. Uh, so it's wonderful to hear that you and Joe did the same thing. And we also want to note that Joe's time, of course, was unsupported. While you know, Scott, Carl, and Jennifer Davis, and you were supported. I, I should say uh, String Beans was self-supported, as all through hikes are. And so he was carrying all his own gear and would hitchhike into town for food supplies and you know sleep in a tent every night. So still, you have the overall record. String Bean still has the second fastest time, even though he was self-supported, which is remarkable. Yeah, definitely. And and um, just by by running the PCT two years after him and and following his his daily mileage as a bit of a guideline, I. I could really realize that he was an exceptionally talented athlete. Um, and I realized at the time as well that I was one of the only ones to to really know that because on the PCT it was less often that it has been run in the past. Um, but on the on the AT you have the comparison with, with the big names like Scott Jurek and, and Carl. And then it really proved something that he could could do better than them without any support. So um, he's yeah, just a terrific athlete. Excellent. Um, so everyone has a trail name. Not everyone. Most people have trail names. You know, Joe McConaughey, String Bean. So what are they calling the Belgian dentist, if anything? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call him the Belgian dentist. I think that's more something that the media picked up. Um, I don't think we really care. He's a dentist in this regard of his FKTs. Um, I don't know. He kind of liked the name Deerfoot. Um, Deerfoot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Deerfoot. Uh, first time I've heard that. Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting. My yeah, the crew was um, keeping me informed because on the on the AT White Blaze forum, people were discussing a, a good trail name and and. Uh, what what um, was talked about most were uh, Belgian beer names, uh, which was pretty funny. Um, but that's yeah. a good idea. I, I vote for that. Did you come up with anything? <laughs> uh, what did they say? <laughs> they came up with a lot of stuff. Yeah. They they tried. Um, well, they which one I also liked was the Belgian blur. That was kind of cool because yeah, yeah, yeah. you just went um, so fast. <laughs> and then because he was wearing a yellow t-shirt all the time, they called him Duval because it's you know kind of the same color. And then because he was doing really good, they were thinking about um, the the Augustine uh, 12 degrees. <laughs> the strong stuff. Yeah, strong stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got a good laugh out of that. <laughs> well, that's deserved. So uh, if you do something, I think you should go with the Belgian beer name. Uh, <laughs> it could be, yeah. be Lombique. I don't know. Okay, so here, here's where we have to go right away. So these are some of the, an AT, some of the most famous ultra runners in the United States, and you were way faster. How? I mean, what, what do you have to say about that? You mentioned that this is your specialty, but as you also mentioned, if, if this was a head-to-head -head race over 50 or 100 miles, someone else would come out on top. So how does one do this? You you really did well. You you have techniques here. What are they? Um, so I think also yeah, one of the one of the important things to mention is is age difference, of course. Uh, so Scott 
age. So Scott was uh, 41. Um, Carl was uh, 48, I think, at the time, whereas I'm 28. And it's all about recovery during a 40-day or 50-day adventure like that. And it's just, I think, scientifically proven that as a 28-year-old, recovery is faster than when you're 41 or when you're 48. So that's definitely one of the reasons that Joe and I managed to better the times of, of Scott and, and Carl, Joe unsupported, and then me doing as much as four days of the record. So age is definitely one of the one of the things. Yeah, I think a very important one is the start of the day. Um, when we when we did some presentations about the PCT, we um, I always covered the fact the mornings uh, that Carl was having were really slow because it's um, it's just a, a barrier you got to go over through because it's the day after day another 50 miler and you get up and you you know it's going to be another 50 miler uh but this time carl was extremely um, disciplined he just he just woke up we know he had only 20 minutes and then he he should start running and we we actually managed to stay within those 20 minutes his his breakfast was ready when he woke up he had his coffee and then um he just got dressed and then we immediately started walking so uh, we just found it was a really big difference already starting to walk, um, whereas he would stay still at the PCT. And well, I was always surprised when I had to get back to the to the camp, how much, um, uh, how many miles we covered already just by doing the breakfast um, walking. That's excellent, excellent. So I appreciate the self-effacing comment again. It's age played a big factor. Then start of the day, that's brilliant. 20 minutes after waking up, you were moving forward. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, honestly just time to to get dressed and and that's it. Um, I had a coffee hiking already, and then um, that gave me some time to get my feet used to being in the shoes again. And and as Joe says, by the time he got back to camp, uh, he was always surprised yeah, by the the ground we have already covered. And then I think we tried to um, keep that mindset. Um, and every uh, every occasion where there could have been um, a stop, we tried to minimize it, um, such as like we had multiple backpacks. So last time in the PCT, we only had one backpack. So then he had to stop, wait for me to fill it up. Whereas now we just had to replace the tracker and his cell phone and, and another um, ready-made bag and he could just uh, move on again. Yeah. And then also during these meetups with the crew, um, like it was funny, I had a few friends coming over to run with me and then one guy said at the meetup, hey, why are you sitting on the trunk? You should have a, a chair so that you're comfortable. And then we were like, oh no, that's definitely part of the plan. It has to be uncomfortable because once you sit down in a chair and it's comfortable before you even <clears throat> had the feeling that you had a break, it's already half an hour. It goes extremely quick during those breaks. So I just sat down a bit on the ground or on the trunk. Um, and then I, I really had the feeling that I needed to get going again. Another another really important part that I think, um, and that Carl mentioned to me a couple of times, is this time, um, the first weeks we had, we had pacers, um, so guys who were running with Carl, whereas last time in the PCT, he would be uh, totally alone. And then when he would see me, that would have been like one of his highlights of the day uh, to have some social interaction. And I think he didn't have the need as much this time to stay at the crew and, and talk it over because he had some company during the 
during the the run uh, during the day as well some um some local people who just came up and and started running with us um i think that helped a lot by not having the the need to 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 stop longer at, at the resupply stops excellent suggestions multiple packs i've seen people do that at ultra races before but you took it to another level by using that technique on a multi-day trail run so it really comes down to a, a, a term Peter and I coined a number of years ago, relentless forward motion. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's I a, think that's a really good term. That's how you can um, summarize an FKT attempt, in my opinion. Nice. <laughs> Indeed, when I first uh, started looking at the big long trails, it was flying Brian Robinson, who did the calendar triple crown here in the United States. And we did a full day with him, and it was so educational. Of course, the guy didn't run a step, and he was doing much bigger mileage per day than ultra runners do because of relentless forward motion. Your yeah. time moving forward on your feet is really what's going to move you forward rather than the speed at which you move. That's true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was glad I had that experience during the PCT because at first, um, yeah, I wasn't that experienced. Of course, I, I ran the Marathon de Sable, but... I was in stopping um, to eat something during the PCT. And then sometimes a true hiker would, would overtake me during my break. And then I would always be surprised how long it took me to, to catch up with them. I was always thinking, oh, they must have gotten off trail or, or I don't know. But um, just by, by yeah, keeping on the, staying on the move, it's, it's incredible how much ground you can, can cover just by, by hiking pretty fast. Excellent. And what, as we were following you on Fastest Known Time website, which was fun, we had a nice little tracker set up there, we were noticing that you appeared to be starting at 4 a.m. every day and finishing at 6.30 p.m. So you were putting sleep in the bank and food in the stomach. Other people at that stage, you know, with a week or two to go, they kind of looked like they were starving to death. And you, you were looking pretty good toward the end, I think. Yeah, so that was um, also one of the main um, main approaches that that uh, definitely made a difference. So um, during the PCT, I really had hours and hours of struggling in the evening because I was tired, my feet were hurting, and then when the sun has gone down and it's dark, and then you are looking so forward to to arriving at camp and to sleeping that it's actually working. Yeah against you because you actually slow down because yeah your um, your courage goes away a bit uh, because you're thinking okay um, I'll be happy if it's 10 p.m when I get at camp and then the terrain suddenly becomes difficult and you say oh no it's gonna be midnight and then let's try to make it by 1 a.m and those were really hours that I, I struggled a lot so now uh, we decided to to use the jet lag that we had from traveling from Europe um, and start off very early in the morning so I could do my night running in the morning when I'm waking up and, and um, still fresh, my feet are feeling good. And we were going to see how long we, could, we would be able to, to keep it that up. Um, and then actually we ended up um, doing that the entire time. It was really great. Um, I went really fast in the morning because that was also one thing I wanted to do because I, I kept on reading and, and hearing from uh, Scott's stories and from Joe's stories that they really 
dropped speed at night. Um, so I decided to to run with with two head torches, like one on my head and then one in my hand. Um, very powerful head torches. Um, I also opened up um, the GPS file of uh, the small sections of the AT on my GPS watch, so I didn't have to struggle with um, finding the blazes and and getting out my GPS to check if I was still on track and stuff like that. Um, so I went faster at night and um, I did it in the morning. And then it was really fun to see that every day. So the first hour you're waking up, then you hear the first birds and then the sun slowly gets up and that gives you a boost. And then um, it's also a, a really big boost that by, by 11 or 11.30 in the morning, you're already over halfway. And then um, it's it's a really nice flow the entire day. And then I, I did end up very early at camp almost every day um, before sunset. I think I there were only three times where I had to continue after sunset or like run with a head torch for, for a few minutes, but definitely not long. And, and it really helped me a lot uh, mentally and, and to keep on going pretty fast. Excellent. You're giving a tutorial on how to do <laughs> a multi-day trail run. Good job. I think everyone listening really appreciates that. And that's remarkable. Over 41 days, only three times you had to use a headlamp in the evening. So you were, you were putting time and energy and sleep in the bank the whole way. Uh, so I have to ask you to continue here. How about the gear? I think I heard you're using the Jurek North Vest from Ultimate Direction. How'd yeah. that work out for you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think I was the first one to to use it for what it was designed for. So I can uh, I can happily say that it was very well thought of by uh, by Scott. I was like, yeah, what? Um, or I should have this pocket or something, uh, and then I would feel or, or Joe would check it out, and he said, oh, there there is a pocket here. <laughs> so that was really nice. Um, so yeah, I have to say thanks to to Scott for for designing it, and then. UD for uh, for actually developing that backpack, but yeah, it was nice. That was actually the standard uh, backpack for his morning runs because we we figured he was feeling fresh and still truly motivated in the morning, so he would do the big chunks in the morning, or well, bigger chunks in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, so that would have been his his go-to vest to carry uh, more food and a little bit more drinks and all the the necessities he needed um, for the bigger um, parts of the day. Great. I see. And any other gear that, that came to mind as being particularly helpful? Um, it was nice to have like the very uh, minimal uh, bags as well, because uh, every now and then there are like the, the five or the seven K stretches. And then I would just um, carry the, the race fest from uh, from UD. So that was just the basics, drinks and, and place for the tracker. And, and that's it. Something uh, something I noticed as well is um, we, we mentioned already we had some pacers joining us and I noticed that they almost from the second day or the third day they needed to to add some anti-chafing um, equipment and I feel like the 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 clothing that Carl was wearing um, from you know from skins that was well it fitted him that well that he not not at an even, not even in the middle or at the end, he had a lot of chafing. So I guess that may, gave him some more comfort, just a little chafing yeah. maybe in the yeah. in the groin region. Or so that was also a big advantage, of course, because every backpack is slightly different. So we had, I think, about five or six models. 
Um, and so every backpack, yeah, chafes in a in a different place. Like one is a little bit higher, or the shoulders are a bit different. And so changing types of backpacks was also very helpful because I remember from the MDS and and from the PCT where you're carrying the same backpack all the time. Um, yeah, you just get get like the the painful chafed skin and and you need to tape it and then the tape starts chafing and stuff like that so yeah. didn't have anything of that so that was a uh, really nice uh, this time and then we made sure to to add in some some shorter uh, distances as well so he was able to wear the belt which is not that good for the longer sessions because he needs way more gear but for the long for the really short sessions just for like an hour or something who he would be able to wear to wear the belts and that's a whole other um you know spots hot spots or other stuff great you tuned the gear to the distance between aid stops just to maximize efficiency and by using multiple uh, vests and waist belts you eliminated any hot spots that would develop over time it, you you learned a lot from the PCT. At the, start, <laughs> the start of this, you mentioned that you and Joe might have a joint project. Uh, so what's next? Uh, it, it sounds like you're going to be sticking with the FKTs. What are you thinking? Um, well, of course, um, it's always hard to to think about new adventures when you're still cherishing what has just happened. Um, but of course, yeah, as a yeah, ultra runner and adventurer. Uh, it's hard to stop your mind from uh, going a bit ahead in time. Um, so I do think I will stick to FKTs and then preferably um, the long work, uh, being everything over uh, 2,000 miles. I would say that's when I feel like I'm uh, really making a difference and uh, feeling really good and strong. Um, so, but. Yeah, what is a bit difficult with that is that um, for FKTs and, and um, for a Guinness World Record as well, which I'm uh, trying to do now for the AT as well, it's it's being reviewed now, um, is that the trail needs to be exact, like it has to be blazed or, or marked 100%, otherwise there's, there's no possibility for an FKT. So obviously if the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail, would be... 100% marked, that would be probably the next one, um, which would be very hard because it's yeah, even so much longer than the PCT. I think it's over 5,000 kilometers. Um, but unfortunately, or fortunately, um, there are just too many options to choose from. So by the time you would be running, people would be like, uh, hey, but uh, which one are you running? Or, or why did you choose for this or that section? Um, so that's not possible. Um, I do know of one 100% uh, um, waymarked trail um, that is long, and that is a New Zealand's Tiararoa Trail, um, which is interesting because I have hiked um, about half of it. And when I was hiking it, I met the two guys who have run it so far. So one um, one Australian set the record, and then. A month later, when I was still on the trail, uh, I met uh, Jess Bragg, um, who was also a UTMB winner, and he he set the record after him. Um, but yeah, when I'm honest, um, I wouldn't be surprised um, if in the future I would uh, I would try to go for the FKT on on New Zealand's uh, Tiararoa Trail. That's a uh, 2,000 miles long, and um, it covers the entire length of New Zealand and 
Um, I've lost my heart in New Zealand the same way I've lost my heart in, in the United States. Um, so I would be very um, yeah, happy to, to return to, to New Zealand and, and to go for another FKT. Well, Carol, the, your opening comment of saying you come into your own at anything longer than 2,000 miles, that's a little alarming. I think that's, <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of difficult. I, I, I'd like to think I come into my own after about six hours, you know, so I have enough time for lunch afterwards. So 2,000 yeah. miles, that's quite a commitment. Yeah, yeah, but it's... Um... Yeah, it's just a passion I have. The, those those true hikes are just incredible. I mean, we have some long trails in in Europe, but um, just as a trail runner and, and and hiker, yeah, just something like the AT, where where you have over two thousand miles of of single track with so little concrete. That's just a dream. And then if you can run it with a crew who's who's organizing everything for you, I mean, there's there's nothing more a, a, a passionate trail runner can wish for, I guess. Well, that's a terrific comment. And of course, you mentioned Teo Aurora, Jess Bragg, when he did it, you know, he kayaked the Cook Straight, which is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, eh, that's a little alarming there. Yeah, uh, that's, I, I was already thinking I would announce uh, having not the intention of doing it. Uh, but it's funny because I actually met him just the day before he was going to do it. Uh, I was on the southern tip of, of the North Island. Um, but he had the perfect window, the perfect weather window. Um, I have kayaking experience as well. Um, I have done kayaking races. Um, so if weather conditions are good and I have I have company, um, I would definitely consider it as well. But um, it's New Zealand. It's a very rough strait. Um, Ninety-nine percent of the time, it's it's just uh, extremely uh, unwise to to try to even consider uh, crossing the Cook Strait. Right. <laughs> it adds a whole other level to an undertaking like that. So nothing yeah. like the GR5, the GR20. Obviously, Europe has a lot of this network, but they all go through towns. Is that why you'd like to go to New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. Well, I do know that Tierra Roa has, has quite a lot of um, concrete, at least at the time when I hiked it, which was the first year that it was opened. Um, they are working on... on um, decreasing the amount of, of um, concrete on the North Island. And then the South Island is also uh, almost 100% uh, single track. So then it's uh, really nice again. But I, I remember really loving the North Island as well. Some people didn't like the the concrete sections, but then then again, you have the, the volcanoes of, of Tongariro and, and you have the Wanganui River that you are kayaking. So that's a, a very nice change as well. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a splendid trail, but it does have a bit more uh, concrete than compared to the PCT or the AT. Right. Well, if if you if you have to go over two thousand miles to start coming into your own, uh, it is a little more limiting. But I very much <laughs> look forward to seeing what you two come up with. And mm -hmm. so maybe a year from now, of course, if you go to New Zealand, it might be six months from now. Look forward well, to seeing what you do. Yeah, we are um, excited as well and, and hope we can uh, have a, another adventure. Yeah. Great. Well, please stay in touch and maybe we'll have you back here after your next adventure where you've lost your heart somewhere else. Thank you very much, Carol and Joe. Yeah, thanks again for having us. It was nice. Thanks. Thanks for having Great. us. I hope you've gotten some good ideas for your next big run. 
Subscribe to this podcast so you can find out what's cool every week. It will be delivered to you each Friday. And definitely go to fastestknowntime.com to read the notes from this show and ask questions or make comments on what you've heard today. There are FKTs being reported daily that are incredible, but you maybe have never heard of them. So stay up on what is happening on this website and follow us on Twitter, the Gram, and Facebook. Many people have thanked us for this work, and you can too by clicking support this site at the bottom of the webpage. Tune in next Friday. It's going to be fast and good.